This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you doing today, man? Tyler, I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you. I'm, I'm sitting here overlooking a gray, for, uh, overcast kind of day. And then I look down at my screen, and then I get this ray of sunshine coming through. So uh, I think we're off to, off to a good start. It certainly, um, it certainly can't be me. It must be our guest. Well, I today. wasn't going to say who was who. Okay. But uh, yeah, we're I'm excited, man. We got a busy day. You said it a while ago that all of us have a lot going on. Uh, two, of, two of our pieces of life, they are really good, this being one of them. So uh, making the most of it, looking forward to talking to our guests. So why don't you tell us who it is? It's Dennis Carusis. He is joining us today. And uh, Dennis, I have a, is a very important person, a founder and CEO at Volta Energy. So we're thrilled to have uh, Dennis on the podcast today. And he can correct me if I've gotten anything from his CV wrong, but, uh, but we're thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Dennis, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's really cool, Dennis, that you joined us. And um, the check is in the mail, by the way. So just be, be patient. <laughs> it's stuck at the border behind one of those big semis, apparently. But Dennis, really uh, good to good to have you. You know, I was thinking about it last night, thinking about today in our recording. And uh, man, it's been uh, eight years, you know, since I first met you. Uh, which really seems hard to believe because if I recall, you didn't have any kids then. Um, you were a handsome guy from Canada, which you still are, but uh, times have certainly gone down the the, uh, the old water under the bridge, so to speak, since we first got together. Yeah, lots of gray hairs. Lots of gray hairs, absolutely. And I think it's nine years, possibly 10. Oh, my God. I'm Don't say that. Oh, yeah, nine, because yes. we talked about VPS way before... Um, we were yeah. yes wow. we first met in vps of all places yeah it's funny so. to watch those guys now thinking about how that thing first started and what they're doing now but interesting um so we um have i'll just kind of get everybody up to speed tyler you included dennis and i have a mutual uh friend and investor that we work with and um i met dennis through him and uh and then that was the VPS thing I talked about. And then we both got involved with Adam Power and being involved is a different terminology because Dennis was really involved and I was just a heck of a cheerleader. Uh, still am because of really cool technology for Adam Power and what is happening in that space. And then currently Dennis's day job, uh, the company he owns, it really doing some innovative things in the electrical world. Uh, I'd love for, for Dennis to tell us about it, but, um, Dennis, why don't you just give us a little bit of a history on, on how you got to be uh, the president, CEO, founder, whatever you like to call it, of Volta, and just a little background, because I think our people connect with, with you know, the human side of who we are, much less what we do at work. Sure, so. sure appreciate that, Greg. So, yeah, I mean, a long history of engineering. Um, I studied electrical engineering in undergrad. I did a master's in power electronics. Then I went back and did a PhD in uh, computer engineering specifically. Um, the story I like to tell people is that um, when I finished the PhD, I went to work for a graphics chip manufacturer, ATI, um, here in Toronto. 
And uh, the story that I like to tell people to put it in perspective, if you've ever held the first generation Motorola Razor in your hand, um, I actually worked on a power islanding methodology, which is effectively turning off entire sections of the chip um, for the Astro Boy project that was called at the time uh, within ATI, which was a chipset for the Motorola Razor. So myself and a couple of other people um, worked on the first uh, methodology to be able to shut off entire um, sections of the chip to save battery life. Um, and uh, after that, um, ATI was bought by AMD. I ended up uh, working for AMD for a while. I ended up in uh, working for a vendor um, out of Silicon Valley, which was a startup and got a little bit of the startup bug um, then. Um, I was a field applications engineer for them for almost a year. Um, went all over the East Coast, service customers like Intel and so forth. Um, and at that point, I decided to go out on my own and do some other things. Believe it or not, in 2008, I went and uh, joined an uh, investment firm um, as a sort of an assistant to a financial advisor. And then the whole system blew up. Um, and said, no, I got to go back into engineering. And that's how I founded Volta. Um, and at the time it was, believe it or not, um, so we're talking 2009, um, to go do electric vehicle charging and address problems with regards to too much demand um, in an area, in one geographic location. If there's too many electric vehicles, then you're going to sag the grid. So it was a little ahead of its time. Um, we did some progress uh, on the technology side uh, on that. Um, we developed, um, you know, some prototypes. We got a patent, um, but, you know, we didn't get any market traction because it was so early, yeah. right? So uh, ended up consulting in the industrial sector, um, solving some problems for major customers with motors came across this concept of electrical signature analysis of, you know, being able to predict faults in advance with the way uh, uh, an asset actually consumes current. And so, you know, just did that for a while and got some customers, sold some equipment. And ultimately, we came up with our own monitoring solution called Volta Insight um, and started building that. And in parallel to that, at some point, I met... Uh, uh, another gentleman out of California, our co-founder at Adam Power, Ryan Kennedy. Um, and as one of the projects in California was wrapping up, I ended up, uh, you know, Ryan gave me a call and said, can we make a solid state circuit breaker? And I said, sure, I think we can. And that's how Adam Power was founded in 2014. So that's the uh, quick summary. Man. That, that, so first of all, my wife appreciates you because she loved her razor phone and i think she would still have that phone <laughs> if it were if it were her option but uh man that brought back a lot of thoughts dennis just walking through that timeline and really the changes in technology that have happened since then have been phenomenal um you know just i mean it's just astronomical it leap leap years ahead of how things move but you know, you're you're talking about the uh, ESA, the electrical signature, um, and you know what that means to people that are listening are probably like, what the heck is that? Well, you know, you best described it to me uh, as an analysis tool, a predictive tool, 
in the uh, mining and, and uh, oil uh, field industry and, you know, being able to predict pump failure uh, and being able to proactively replace a pump or swap out a pump, you know, on a schedule basis versus an emergency basis, because you're talking about, you know, shutting down operations, you're talking about lost revenue, yada, 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 because your, your pump, so to speak, is so many, you know, hundreds or thousands of feet or whatever it is under us in the earth. And uh, that's when it really clicked for me, like what, you know, being a mechanical guy, I think about pumps and most of our pumps are sitting on the floor or hanging in a mechanical room. They're not subterranean. And just having that kind of, you know, detailed analysis to look ahead and say, okay, on Saturday, we're going to shut down this pipeline. It just makes everything so much easier. You know, I mean, a phenomenal tool. So, well, tell, uh, I'm, I'm really curious about, you know, the ability for you to, to uh, work with such a diverse group of people. You, you, it, because we talked about relationships, I'm just curious of, you know, you said I was thinking eight years, but I forgot about the other thing. Um, <laughs> so obviously I'm, I'm aged, but how do you how do you view these relationships, Dennis? And I know you and I have a couple of really good shared friends. Um, what makes that click for you when when you're able to work with somebody? What what is it that stands out for you? Like, wow, that that lady or that dude really gets it and I want to work with them. How how does that flow for you? Because I always love that 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 tipping point when I feel, you know, and I had it with with Tyler, you know, when we started working together and you just point to it. It's like, oh, man, this feels good. It's natural. And you get in a rhythm. How? How do you go about that? What and and I've been to your shop. I know how crazy you are, like Albert Einstein in that <laughs> shop of yours. You got car motors torn apart. You got electronic test rigs. You got every kind of thing going on. So that's the piece that I love about you is your your many different compartments. But how do you figure that out from the people side? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I haven't. Um fully thought it through um i guess uh, a little bit of upbringing i i was told to respect everybody um regardless of you know um what they do um so you have to look at every individual as you know being valuable um and you know i i think everybody can contribute um somehow in different ways mm -hmm. Um, so not everyone can be an engineer, but some people can be good at accounting. Some people could be good technicians. Um, so I think if you have that mindset that everyone has value, um, you can explore that um, and you can connect with people. Um, so ultimately, it's about, you know, how much effort you put in uh, to connect with people, I believe. Right. Yep. Um, and, and you can't always connect with everybody. I mean, that's just, you know, no, um, should we? that's not, you know, happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think if you, if you try, um, and you see the good in people, I, I think you're able to connect with almost anybody. Well, I think that that is solid words, you know, and, and I think we get like days ago, I get like, I'll, I'll just speak for myself and, and I get into rhythms, you know, and I, I start whatever it is, you just get this, this life rhythm, this cycle. 
and you kind of lose sight of what you just said. Like, you, you know, let me make sure that I'm looking at this uh, situation or this this problem or this person in an open-minded kind of way. Because we, you know, I mean, I, I'm I just we do what's easy. I think we're innately lazy-minded, uh, and and I don't mean that in in as far as curiosity, but as far as working to change the way we think. You know, it requires an effort. You have you have to make sure that you're open. And, and one thing that I've always said, and I, I've told other people this about you. I don't know if you ever heard it or not. Maybe not. Um, they say, well, tell me, tell me about Dennis. And I'm like, well, Dennis is the only PhD that I've worked closely with that is normal. And what I mean, <laughs> what I mean by that, you know, you and I can go to the Mellow Mushroom in Charlotte and have a beer together. And we just have a general conversation about what we're talking about. A lot of times when people are really, really well learned or, or schooled or educated or taught in a specific thing like computer engineering, it's hard to connect with, you know, some guy who thinks about hot water, chilled water and DX cooling. You know, it, it, we're not always compatible people just because sure. we think differently. But I'll, I've always admired your ability uh, to blend in with whomever you're with at that time, uh, you know, whether it be an engineer or whether it be an intern. Uh, so I, I think that's a great, you know, I, I'll call it a skill because I really think you have to hone it. I don't think it's, it, it's innate, you know, it's like you, everybody's got a little diamond in them, but other people, some people you have to polish more than others. So I think you have the ability to bring out that uh, in yourself and others. So. Well, you are too kind. Your check is in the mail. How about that? Well, yours um, and everybody else's, buddy. So, uh, I just I think it's interesting uh, um, that that you're able to to cross so many, uh, you know, I don't want to say borders, but disciplines. You know, is a good good thought process. And with your last name, you know, being what it is, a lot of people can't see you, but you may have a little Greek blood in you. Um, so is that a trait you think of, of your heritage? Is that, or is that learned from your parents? Did they learn it or you went to college and thought this is how I need to be or what, what, how do you feel about that? Well, it all started when I was six years old. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> now I need that check in the mail. We have to go back there. And, <laughs> we have to go. Um, you know, I, I think it's the upbringing. I think it's uh, a number of things. Um, you know, we immigrated to Canada when I was six years okay. old. Um, my father was an engineer, so it was real important. I go to engineering school. Um, but my father, when we immigrated to Canada, also worked in a number of different roles, including, you know, being a waiter um, when he got here. Um, then he went and worked as a steel worker, I think, and before he got an engineering job. So I saw that firsthand. Um, and I didn't think any less of them at the time, right? So, um, you know, the fact that you can maneuver and do whatever you need to do to survive, I think that was that was an important lesson. And quite honestly, in my upbringing, because, you know, my father ran a little cleaning business um, after he lost his engineering job in the recession of the early 80s, um, I grew up in that business, mm -hmm. right? So I, I've, I've vacuumed, I've cleaned a lot of carpets and washrooms and restrooms. Um, you know, it's just, you do the work, 
right? You do the work that is in front of you and you focus and, and you know, you just keep going. So um, as long as you have that sort of, um, you know, what's the word? I I'm call it work for? ethic and drive is what I call it. Yeah, work ethic and drive, right? Just, uh, you know, keep plugging away. Well, I, do, I don't want to do the best. You can. I don't want to miss this opportunity because, um, you know, we, we had a, a lady on a couple of weeks ago, Nilifer Merchant, also an immigrant. Um, I think, and I can say this because I are one, being a, a naturally born U.S. citizen, uh, that we take a, a ton of stuff. For. I think from what I've learned from people who immigrate here, whether they be from Greece, whether they be from you know, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, wherever, South America, they tend to deliver that same message that you just delivered, either verbally or in action. And I've, I'm so, you know, I love the story of immigration, um, legal immigration, because you know, that's like the ultimate drive. People leave their families, people leave their siblings, they leave whatever in search of a better life for their family or whatever their their reason for living. But to your point, Dennis, your, your dad being educated uh, in engineering field, he was like, I don't care. I'm, I got to provide for the family. And having that, that innate, I got to go get a job to make it, man, I, I'll just... I'm, I'm, I honor you for that and your family, because I believe that that's such a noble act. I really do. I mean, it, it's, and, and we don't that. see that when we're, you know, what 10th generation Americans or whatever we are, um, because we didn't grow up having to move to Portugal and start as a waiter, right. you know. So I'm, I, I don't want to get too sappy on that, but I just really do think that that is the ultimate coolness, you know? I mean, I really do. So congrats to your family, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, but, you know, it's a survival mechanism and you figure it out and you just go. Right? Yeah. So I, I'm sure a lot of people who haven't had to do that um, can do that if they need to. Right. And. I love the American culture, quite honestly. Um, in Canada, we're a little uh, uh, elitist, possibly. I think Americans are a little more down to earth. Um, so if if even a 10th generation American in a lot of cases needs to go work at a uh, as a Hell waiter, yeah, um, absolutely. he or she will, right? I, I, I think they're... Uh, I wish more you know, would right now, quite honestly. Well, there is um, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, we, we have 52 areas to be concerned. We have our 50 states, we have D.C., and then we have Puerto Rico. You guys only have seven. So think about, we're at a disadvantage. We got more diversification of weirdos than you do. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, and and we have the population of like California <laughs> spread spread out in the second largest landmass on the planet, right? So I don't know. No, tell, it should be easy. I'm you sure. know, I went fishing up at uh, Lake Manitoba. I think it is is it north north okay. of Winnipeg. Yeah. Man, what a beautiful part of the, your country that was. But do do you know? Um, I'm sure you know. Maybe you'll tell us why your dad 
uh, chose Toronto? Why, why that area? Um, so I think it was um, generally Canada as the destination because he was a mining engineer. Yeah. And, you know, back then mining was massive in Canada, right. still yeah. is. Um, so it was just, it was from Greece at the time as an immigrant, you were either going to Canada or you were going to Australia, one of okay. the two. Um, and as a mining engineer, I think it, the destination was Canada. It just gotcha. happened. Um, and so I think we ended up in Toronto because he had some contacts. He had some relatives possibly that knew people. So I think we landed in Canada with like, my dad had two, 300 bucks in his pocket. Um, and we went to one of these relatives. We stayed with them for a few weeks. And then, you know, um, my dad got the wait, waiter job and we rented a little basement and that's how it that's began. cool cool so. story i'm uh i didn't know that much about the canadian mining industry until i got involved with my my family business which is a global venture um with emily and mark and uh who you met or talked to anyway yep. and um man it's so fascinating that not only the the uh the corporate mining aspect of the big, you know, the big mining companies in Canada, but the, the, um, but I, I'm not sure, I would say native American here. So native Canadians, uh, the, that the original, you know, Indian founders are, are settlers and, and what they do, um, up there in the mining world. It's pretty interesting too. Have, have you studied much about that? Is that crossed into Volta? and working with some of those indigenous folks? Yeah, no, not really. I can't say we have. Um, I think we've possibly had an RFP with one with a third party gotcha. um, to do some Volta stuff, but we've never actually pursued that. Yeah. Um, I know I know. there's there's a big, um, there's a lot of big projects happening yeah. uh, within the community, right? So well, every year, uh, traditionally, uh, PDAC, uh, the, the mining industries, like for my industry is ASHRAE, you know, uh, right. and, and for uh, the mining industries, especially in Canada, but worldwide is PDAC. And that's when I came up to see you uh, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, I think. And um, we were, I was able to meet with a couple of folks that are in, in that circle and just listening to how all those things come together from a native standpoint and blend into a commercial marketplace. It's pretty darn interesting. Um, pretty cool too. But anyway, I could ramble about that forever, but we're not coming again this year because of the pandemic, but hopefully right. 23 uh, we'll be back up there. So you and I can slush through the snow together again. Uh, and, I look forward and go to, to lunch. Um, so what what's on your horizon, Dennis, for, for Volta? You know, I, I keep watching the progress of, of your company and these these strides you guys are making. What what what's the ultimate, you know, when will you be able to spike the football in the goal on the end zone? What what will that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean I, I don't quite honestly think about it that much. Um, just create ultimate customer value, which is solve problems for our customers. And I think everything else will work out. Um, so it's been an interesting couple of years. We started with one major US manufacturer uh, piloting right before the pandemic. Um, and 
as we went through that pilot, we gained a lot of traction within a, lot, a few of their facilities. Um, and now we have become the electrical asset health provider. Um, we're in 25 of their facilities and growing, oh, cool. and this is a major, um, a major customer of ours. Um, and we've hired more engineers. We've been able to expand the tool set, um, look for more, more faults, uh, develop a fault library. So it's in the last year, we've made significant strides um, into, you know, how, how we've grown as, as an organization and our focus. And, you know, quite honestly, if we can take this tool set and apply it to additional manufacturing facilities, um, uh, oil refineries, wherever there are critical electrical motors um, that do work, um, that, you know, if they go down, there's a significant profit loss or, um, you know, any type of uh, loss to production, for example, then uh, we can help the world, right? So that's that's my ultimate goal. Is that I, I know the company you're talking about. We've talked about it. Are they nationwide or uh, North American or worldwide? How they're they're mostly North American. Okay. I think they do have a few facilities in okay. Europe um, and some other places, but yeah, mostly U.S. and yeah, Canada. Cool, Tyler. You look like you've got a thought there. Well, the my 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 thought, or I guess my question is. For a lot of reasons, energy is such a hot topic in the United States right now. Is it similar in Canada? And are you feeling as though um, there's maybe a, a sense of interest in energy and where it comes from and how to have it reliably? Is that do you, do you feel like there's a groundswell of interest in energy in a way that maybe there hasn't been at, at other times in your career? Absolutely. Um, Canada is a little different from the standpoint of the US because of our such small population. Um, so there's the West Coast people or the, you know, middle Canadians, uh, which contains Alberta. So any anyone from Alberta is very energy aware, let's call them. Um, and they're a little oil focused. Um, and then there's the East Coasters, which are more, I guess, tree hugging to a certain extent. Um, but you know, uh, energy has always been a big thing in Canada, right? One of the major um, economic contributors to the country um, has always been oil production. Um, and on the East Coast, you know, we have a lot of hydro generation, we have nuclear power. Um, and I think a lot of Canadians are pretty energy aware. Now, uh, what's happened with electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging, I think everyone's gotten excited about it um and the whole uh, decarbonization um so there's a lot of projects i think happening all over the place um and possibly we could fit in as a company um with our volta insight solution the the challenge has always been if you try to go into a big market as a small startup um you can spend a lot of cycles um trying to penetrate that market unsuccessfully yeah. So we, you know, part of, you know, my learnings as an entrepreneur um, uh, in the last few years is to focus on something small that can create value and then expand on, on that. Um, so we started with some oil and gas motors. We started with a customer request ultimately, um, and we ended up with more customer requests. So as we 
grow, we can definitely look at more utility side and monitoring um, how electrical power is going to be uh, distributed and find problems there. Absolutely. Dennis. But it's probably a little early for us right this second. You know, I, I was thinking about, I think about nuclear energy a lot and, and the advantages and the, and the worries that people have about it. Are, have you looked at the, the small nuclear reactor world of how that could really impact, especially companies like Canada that are, you know, more sparsely populated, but they're where the people are, you know, they are. It's not like they're spread out. They're kind of clustered. Have you done any of that? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, a few years ago, it was an interest. Um, there are a lot of startups looking um, at making small reactors. Yeah. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think there's potential there. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, it hasn't been a focus recently. Yeah, it's honestly. pretty cool. Um, I, you, there, there's a friend of mine, Paul Murphy, and, uh, he makes his business in that world of consulting and understanding all the, all the small nuclear stuff. I was just curious because mm -hmm. I think about, you know, the ultimate distribution, you know, how, how energy is transferred from however you're, however you're transforming water or, or, uh, through nuclear vision, what have you. And then all the way through distribution is where, you know, you play in. So I just always, I'm always trying to connect people in that world to think about that chain, you know, it's like a chain of custody of energy all the way from inner, uh, from creating or, or the ultimate original transformation into coming out of a power outlet in your house. So I always think about that. But cool stuff. A lot going on for sure. You know, we, we talked about Adam Power in the EV market and what's going on with their purple brand of EV chargers and, you know, just the uniqueness of that product versus the other competitors. Um, it's just a fun space. And, you know, Tyler, I, I think, we, I don't know we've had anybody from Adam Power. We should probably do that, get a, a Kennedy on here and talk about it. But, you know, the, the whole EV world has changed and it's fun to watch that for me, it's fun to watch mining and battery technology and how those two play off of each other, especially in the, in the rare earth elements. Um, and, you know, it's a little bitty world when you really start thinking about who all is in that world from a people, you know, networking standpoint. So it's going to be interesting to watch that whole power play um, come to fruition and, and, you know, watching the advances in battery and then gravity technology, Another company I'm involved with to a degree uh, is able, you know, what we're doing, harnessing energy uh, through shock absorbers going down the road to create and prolong battery life on the fly. So there's just a whole lot of moving pieces. But when I when I sit and look at this whole sphere, it, it, there's very few pieces of it. You know, it's how you create energy, how you transfer it, how you use it, and then how do you recycle it back into whatever, because energy is one of those things you never create or destroy. You just move it around. And uh, I just love that cycle. So, well, tell us, uh, Dennis, what is going on uh, for for you with your all your, uh, your family stuff? You got babies, you got wives, you got our wife. I better be careful with that. So, yeah, have you all, uh, you know, are you coming out of the cold, ready to go on a, a tropical cruise or anything fun? You got fun stuff on the horizon? Or just work? Uh, 
Yeah, it's been mostly work, pandemic stuff, you know, um, you just focus on on the work cycle more than anything else. It's been uh, it's been an interesting two years, to say the least. Right. Locked up. Um, what what you have know. you it's a great, great segue into this question just popped into my head. What has been your biggest either lesson learned or relearned from a business standpoint in the last two years? Ooh, um, we've been extremely fortunate. Um, we are in the industrial automation space, yeah. let's call it. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, I think, you know, it was one of the best years we've ever had, um, quite honestly. Um, and so, you know, as soon as companies wanted to take that human element out of the equation to automate things, um, you know, our, our business picked up ultimately. Yeah. So we were very fortunate. Um, that being said, I think, you know, uh, I'm also very lucky. I don't own a restaurant at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel for those people I've seen, um, you know, I, I've seen a few new restaurants that were opened right before the pandemic in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were, they were busy for two or three months. People invested, you know, who knows what kind of fortunes and their livelihoods and to be shut down by, by government. Um, I, I think that was extremely unfortunate. Right. And I don't think that the, the way the governments handled the shutdowns and so forth um, were done properly, yeah. quite honestly. Um, if you are in a position of power and you expect people to lose their livelihood, um, what I was telling my friends, right? Look, if you're in government and you want somebody to shut down their business, great. Stop collecting salary for as long as you shut down that business. Yep. Uh, uh, and, and see how quickly you're going to come to the realization that you really have to do something for these people. Right. Um, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, um, it was extremely unfortunate the, the way the whole thing was handled, especially here in Canada with, um, you know, we have, we have very, we have a lot of entrenched government. Yeah. Let's call it. Well, right. I, I, so. I think that's, that unfortunately is systemic in politics. Um, we could talk about term limits one day when we have uh, we'll get uh, Trudeau on and we'll have those conversations with him. But right. so, Tyler, what what about you? I, I haven't I've never asked you this question, but what do what you as a, a young professional, what have you seen over the last couple of years that has changed your either mindset or your game? Oh, that's that's a broad question and a hard question to answer. Um I think right now I see opportunity. Um, I see, um, especially amongst my generation, um, less willingness to invest as maybe mm, in, in as committed of a way into career because it feels like with something totally out of your control, like a pandemic, your career can all of a sudden be shifted, gone, you know. Um, that sort of thing. And so people are a little bit, especially my age, are a little bit more hesitant to um, to dive headfirst and say, my career is is the most important thing to me or one of the most important things to me because just like that, it can all be gone um, so quickly. And so um, there's been a lot of interesting conversations for, for people my age around the last couple of years. For me, that has just meant doubling down on 
working hard and trying to be an invaluable resource um, as much as I can because uh, because yeah, the, the past two years have been have been really challenging and um, and it raises a lot of questions and thoughts. I, I think for a lot of people, but for me, anyways, it's just meant um, that there's an opportunity to show that. Um, with a lot of other people questioning whether or not this is all worth it, there's a huge opportunity to show that that there's a uh, um, a big uh, desire and commitment in, within me, I guess, to to you know grow as much as possible and to to go as far as possible. So I, I don't know. That's that's it's a it's a complicated question to answer. No, it, it is. There, but, yeah. it, it is for sure because I think that you know, it's kind of affected all of us differently. You know, Dennis had a great year and the, the lady who owned the restaurant went bankrupt, you know, all because of the mm-hmm. same reason um, or the same trigger, I'll say. Uh, it's very, very, I mean, yeah, so I'll answer the question myself. Um, it, the last 24, 30 months have taught me to quit being so damn judgmental on people's upward mobility in their career. Um, you know, some people are, are happy and I, I've been reading this book lately. It's really interesting by uh, Kim Scott, radical candor. And she talks about the difference between a rock star and a superstar with a rock star being your bread and butter people that are there, that are there day in and day out that do an incredible job. But for whatever reason in their career or their life or their life circumstances, they're comfortable at not being in such a a 90 degree upward mobility trajectory Mm -hmm. versus a superstar who maybe is on that trajectory, but maybe she doesn't have a kid yet. And then once the kid comes into, maybe that trajectory levels off a bit. And then when that kid goes to college, maybe that trajectory picks back up. So what the two years have taught me is to really understand where people are in that cycle and what's motivating them, you know, to at, at that particular time in their, in their life, you know, like Dennis yeah. is in, he's in a growth mode. Um, he's growing a business. He also has a young family, you know, that's a heck of a balance to get, you know, you, your spouse, y'all are, y'all are freaking remodeling kitchens every week, you know, so y'all have a different deal. Um, I have a different deal. You know, I can't seem to decide which state to live in, for goodness sake. Um, so it's been re- three podcast, three states while we just while we've been doing this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, but it, it's just really interesting to see that human dynamic uh, jump out when you have something, you know, as catastrophic or as widespread. Anyway, as the pandemic and, and, you know, we've lost a lot of people. Uh, luckily, we haven't lost as many as we could have for, uh, you know, for a various number of reasons. But uh, interesting stuff. So we'll we'll keep learning. Uh, good news. Uh, the company service logic where I work, we got a big company. Uh, and I'm so glad to say we've only had 11 positive cases of COVID nationwide this month. So uh, versus last month, which was a much larger number uh, coming off the Christmas break. So. Man, I, every time I don't get an email about it, I feel like we're one step closer to, you know, whatever's next. Um, so hopefully this nasty thing is is going to rest itself for a while. So, 
behind us. I hope behind so. us. I really do. Fingers crossed. It, it, I'm so worn out from it. I know the educators. I've got my my nieces are educators, and you know they're worn out from it from just trying to figure out how to educate kids. And that's uh, it's a big thing. But well, guys, it, it's been uh, it's been such a, a, a fun catch up Dennis for me uh, catching up with you and what's going on in your life and all the all the unique things look forward to continuing to follow the Volta story uh, wish you nothing but, but success with that and I do know that you are a special human being and I appreciate being your friend and uh, taking time to come on here and talk with us thank you for the kind words well Tyler been a pleasure. Um, there we are man we got one more you know, we got a PhD on the program, for goodness sake. What do you think about that? Whew. Professional highway driver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, you live in Texas, you become a professional highway driver real quick. So, uh, yeah, sure. yeah, that's uh, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's me. But um, but yeah, Dennis, thank you again so much for joining us here on the podcast. And it's been really fascinating conversation. I love I love getting to hear your perspective. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Greg. Absolutely. Greg, another episode in the books, man. Lots more to come. Uh, how you doing? How you feeling? Man, I'm I'm a little bit, I don't know. I'm a little bit uh, nostalgic right now. So I'm, I'm proud. Oh, yeah? That, I, I am, man. I'm proud to have people that, that I call friends that are deep thinkers and, and care about what's going on in our world. And, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have them on here and just spend a few minutes and talk about it means a lot to me, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I I feel the same way. So we have a lot more great stuff coming your way very soon. So everyone stick around. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head to gregcrumpton.com. Wherever you get podcasts these days, you pretty much find the show. So subscribe, stay up to date, hear all the interesting conversations we get to have with fantastic people and stay tuned. We'll be back soon with those new conversations. But for our guests today, Dennis Carusis and Greg Crumpton, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) 